Welcome to Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. We worship a God of second chances. Listen in this week as we hear about another great show of God's mercy. Good morning. How about that song? I like that song. I like songs. All right. Hey, my name is Cy McMahon. I'm campus pastor here for Centerpoint Church in Hayward, and I'm super glad that you've chosen to join us this morning. I know you have choices on what you do with your time, especially on a weekend, so thank you for investing one hour with us. Whether joining us online or here in person, we are glad you are here. I have one announcement, and it is a serve night. So we're doing a serve night here at this campus this Wednesday, and what we're doing is we're kind of putting together care bags uh, to take to the um, nursing homes in town and the assisted living places in town just to bless the, uh, the folks who are staying there, the residents. So everybody's welcome. It's not just uh, for kids. Everybody, anybody who has an interest in coming and serving together with some folks from our other campus and, and headed out into our community and loving on people who are in our care facilities, we would just love to have you. We're going to be hosting it right here. Uh, we'll be out in the lobby putting that stuff together. So join us. There's more information uh, in your worship guide that you have with you on your seat. If it's not on your seat, it's on the one next to you. So we're in a series, and it's called Tug of War, Tug of War Aligning with Mercy. We've been talking about the book of Jonah, and the book of Jonah uh, is kind of been, been labeled like a kid's story. It's been cartoonized over the years, and sometimes when that happens, we lose a little bit of the grit that goes along with it. And so what we're actually wanting to point out uh, through this series is how Jonah is in a tug of war with God. Jonah has ideas on how his life should be going or how things should be going around the world, and God stands firm knowing what's true. And we just thought that 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 could be us a little bit too. As we're pulling, we're pulling against God, saying, God, you need to come and go the way that I'm going. And God stands firm and is like, I think I know what I'm doing. And so tug, tug of war is a little, little tongue in cheek because if God started pulling, it would be more like a tetherball. We would just be on the end of the rope swinging around. Let go. Any water skiers in the room? If you don't let go of the rope, that's what it would be like playing tug of war with God, just digging your head into the ground. It'd be ugly. So we have, uh, up to this point, we've talked about how Jonah heard from God, took off, went the other way. Uh, God was so insistent on getting Jonah back on track that he almost sunk an entire ship in the Mediterranean Sea. But those guys, the sailors finally figured out, just get rid of Jonah. Everything's going to be fine. 
then last week, Jamie talked about Jonah being in the belly of the whale, being in the stomach of the fish, which is not a pretty picture. Fair? Like any fisherman in the room? Watching at home? Fisherman? How's the stomach of a fish? Good? Not? Awesome? Yeah, wouldn't want to hang out there three days, three nights. That was Jonah's story. Three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. And then he has this uh, moment of clarity where he calls out to God and is like, hey, I messed up. Yeah, we know. Uh, but Jonah reads like, hey, I, I get it. So what Jonah had struggled with is that I think something that we can relate to, Jamie talked about us being small kings and queens of small kingdoms where our world, our world has become the whole world. Small kings and queens of small kingdoms where we think our world is the whole world. And if, if we function like that, if we, if we live like that, we can't see beyond the edges of our world. We miss a lot of what God is trying to do. Another thing he talked about was drawing boundaries around the mercy and grace of God, where we're saying God's mercy and grace can go this far and no further because the people on that side of the line, they don't deserve the mercy and grace of God not our place to decide that. The last thing he brought up was talked about how we, how we surrender, like if we surrender our lives to, to God, and he talked about being 10 and surrendering his life to God, but, and he surrendered his whole life at age 10, but since age 10, his life has become more complex. There's more to surrender, and so surrender is not a one-time Act. I didn't once surrender my life. I daily surrender my life. I surrender who I am now, my life today, to God. And that's how we get to where we are today. Chapter 3, the last time we heard about Jonah, he had just been puked up by a fish. And you thought you were having a rough day. Swinging in sideways, yelling at the kids on the way in the parking lot. I feel you. I understand. I know how it goes. All right. So we're going to be in chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can pull it out. Jonah's about yay. Yay into the Bible. If you've got your app on your phone, open that up. version. If you don't want to do any of those things, the verses will be up on the screen for you. Chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. 
by decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. What's interesting is that chapter 3 starts the exact same way that chapter 1 starts. Exact same words. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and told him what to go do. And when I read, when I read this, all I can think is that God is the God of second chances. He's the God of second chances, which reminds me of a song that I'm about to sing. <laughs> wow. Harsh. It's going to be making my debut right here, laughed off. I've, the people laughing have heard me sing, so they knew it wasn't true. But it does remind me of a song. There's a song by a fellow named Carlos Whitaker. It's old. Uh, it came out like 2010, 2011. It's called The God of Second Chances. It goes like this. You're the God of second chances. Who are we that you should save us? We're in awe before you now, and our hearts are crying out. He's the God of second chances. And Jonah, who was a professional disobedient, like he, he was running the opposite direction. He was paying to disobey. He had invested in disobedience in his life. He had paid a massive fare to go to the ends of the earth to not obey God. God gave him a second chance. Some of us in the room, we might think that with what I've done or who I've been, God doesn't have enough grace or mercy for me. God's not going to give me a second chance. God's got no love left for me. That's, that's not who our God is. Our God's the God of second chances, and it's true. That regardless of what you've done yesterday, he offers a way back. And so if, if that's you, the start of verse 3 are these two amazing words. Jonah obeyed. Disobeyed, 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 disobeyed. And Jonah obeyed. And did, did God go like, well, it doesn't count because you disobeyed so many times. Now it doesn't matter that you obeyed. No. Instantly. In fact, before... Jonah obeyed before Jonah surrendered. Because Jonah's surrender 
is what led to his obedience. Before Jonah even surrendered, God had already offered his mercy. God's a God of mercy and grace, and it's a free gift. He offers these things to us. Mercy, not getting what we deserve. Grace, receiving what we don't deserve. This is who our God is. He offered both of these things to Jonah, even before he obeyed. Jonah's choice to surrender led to mercy, not for himself. Jonah's choice to surrender led to his obedience, which led to mercy for the Ninevites. Which is wild. I think we've talked about it a little bit. The Ninevites were part of Assyria. Assyria were the hated enemies of the people of Israel. They had murdered, slaughtered, kidnapped, stolen the people of Israel over and over and over and over again for generations. The hate for them was actually real. And God sends Jonah to them. And maybe you're like, man, he must have preached an amazing sermon. I bet it had a lot of likes on YouTube. Probably some good clips on TikTok. Went viral. Here's the sermon we know he preached. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I don't know if he went like at the end, like if he's like, 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. I don't know if his heart was in it. I don't know if he had obeyed begrudgingly. What I do know is that God went before him. God had to have gone before him. God had to have gone ahead of him because it wasn't those words that turned these hated enemies of God's people to repent to God. It just wasn't. The Spirit was moving. The Spirit was making sure that word got to the right people so the right things started to happen so the repentance was even possible because how, how is that even possible? That a whole city, hundreds of thousands of people can turn into repentance that the king of the city would be willing to come down off of his throne to repent in sackcloth and ashes to mourn in the style of the Israelites because of this God that they didn't even know. We don't know what God wants to do, which is why 
we often find ourselves drawing boundaries around God's mercy because we think we know. Like, well, we know who deserves mercy. We know who deserves grace. We, we can handle this, God. We've got this. And well, even if we don't know, we know for sure who doesn't deserve it. Like, we know the people who've done the things that are so bad that there's no way they should receive the mercy of God. Last week, Jamie talked about like Jonah being sent into Nineveh would be like an Israelite, an, an Israeli today being told by God to go into the Gaza Strip and preach, preach repentance to Hamas, the terrorist group that's kind of ruling Gaza right now. And I don't know how connected to, to that we all are. And I, I get that. There's thousands of years of history there. It's hard to wrap our minds around. But has anybody here ever heard of the Civil War, the United States Civil War? Who's heard of the Civil War? How are we doing? Most of our hands were raised. I am praying that our education system didn't let us down, that just you're afraid to raise your hands. Um, the Civil War was, was fought in 1861, from 1861 to 1865, almost exactly four years long. It was fought over an imaginary line dividing the North from the South. And the war primarily was about states wanting to have the right to declare slavery legal in their own state, not have it be a federal law. Southern states wanted slavery to be legal. Northern states said, no, there should be a federal mandate. It can't be legal anywhere. So that's basically what the war was about. More than 600,000 soldiers died in the Civil War. Caused primarily by the, the secession and attack of the Confederate states. And the president at the time was Abraham Lincoln. Anybody heard of Abraham Lincoln? Thank you. I, I was worried for a second. Like, no, so Abraham Lincoln's attitude towards the South was very clear. As the war was coming to an end, it was clear the war was, was going to be over, Abraham Lincoln made it very clear that he wanted all of the Confederate states to be immediately let back into the Union. Their seats in the House of Representatives and the Senate restored, all of the rights to citizens of the United States restored to the Confederate states as soon as the surrender was final. He wanted to show mercy. Because he believed, he believed that mercy would make the healing go faster. The time for punishment was gone. There'd been enough suffering. That was his attitude. His own cabinet, his administration didn't agree with him. And unfortunately, before 
President Lincoln had an opportunity to roll out his plan, he was assassinated. And the plan of reconstruction that took place was very punitive for the South. Now we'll never know. We'll never know what it could have been like, how our country could have been different if mercy would have been shown in the spring of sum and summer of 1865. There's where we had an opportunity to show a crazy, unrealistic, unimaginable amount of mercy. And we didn't. God, God's mercy is, is radical, it's extravagant, it's outside of our comfort zones. But I believe wholeheartedly, God wants us to be purveyors of mercy. Purveyor is one of my favorite words. I love it. You guys may not know what it means. We're going to give you a little definition of what purveyor means. So it's a person that spreads or promotes a view or an idea. A purveyor. Like sends it, sends it out, shares it with everyone. We're supposed to be purveyors of mercy. Take it with us everywhere that we go. We live like it's something that's important to us. And it should be important to us, right? Because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Everyone who can hear this right now, in this room, watching online, you've received the mercy of God. You've received it. So the, the challenge is now what? What are you going to do? What do you plan to do with the mercy you've received? I hope, I hope that your plan is to tell other people, to talk to people about the mercy of God, how the mercy of God changed your life, changed your trajectory, gave you a gift you could not give yourself. Talk to people about how merciful our God is. We, we have to get over the idea. We have to get over the idea that we're letting somebody off the hook. I mean, because if we're honest, like if, if we could just talk one-on-one, -on -one, like the, the reason that we struggle to show mercy to people who have hurt us is because we feel like they're just, gonna, they're just getting away with something, right? We just feel like, well, they're just, they're just getting away with how they hurt me. They're getting away with how they treat other people. They're getting away with it. But tune into this one. 
it's not your punishment to give. It's not. It's not your role to decide who gets punished and who doesn't. It's not your role to sit in the mercy seat. You ever heard that little phrase before, the mercy seat of God? There's a picture of it in the passage. If you get a chance, go back and read it. Jonah 3, 1 through 10, it talks about the king of Nineveh. Does anybody remember what the king of Nineveh did? He came down off of his throne. I don't know much about kings and kingdoms because I was born, you know, 40 some odd years ago. Yes, I'm only 40 something. I just look a lot older, okay? It's been a rough life. What I know about kings and kingdoms is the kings don't voluntarily step off of their thrones. The story of the Ninevite king who's unnamed and the story of Jonah stepping off of his throne. I, it could be, it could be just a little bit that God's saying to us, saying to you and me, Hey, get off the throne of judgment. It's not your seat. Step down off the throne of judgment. It's not our place. It's not. It's not our place to draw boundaries around God's mercy. It's not our place to punish people for what they've done to us. That's God's work. Our work is to be purveyors of mercy. And you may not like that language very much, so I have a different phrase that maybe you're more comfortable with. Maybe not. I'm wondering if we couldn't become mercy dealers. And I mean it like it sounds. Kind of sounds like he's saying drug dealer. Yes. And the drug we're selling is mercy. And the price is right. So it's free. How do you think? How do you think just our little spheres of influence, we have little spheres of influence in the room, how would they change if we led the way in showing mercy? How would our communities change? If our little community in here chose today to lead the way, being mercy dealers, showing mercy, choosing mercy.
How would it all change? I think we could radically impact our worlds. We could open up the walls to our small little kingdoms. When we open up those walls and let other people in through the mercy of God. Now we're participating in the kingdom of God, which is so big you can't imagine it. Take down our walls. Deal mercy. Just watch how the world changes around you. Cool thing is, we're not in this alone. We're not in this alone. God goes with us. Jesus is with us. It's a it's a beautiful part of the story that we get to take part in. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship on Sundays at 930.